This is Temple in Heilprin on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. Yes, welcome in. We are live from Monk's Barn Grill in Sun Prairie. Kind of live, Jesse. A little technical difficulty, so uh, obviously the show not going to be on air tonight, but we are going to do a show anyways here from Monk's as uh, Wisconsin is getting ready for the transfer portal to open up on Monday. Plenty to talk about there. We're also going to hit on Wisconsin and Marquette taking on each other on Saturday morning at the Kohl Center, calling for a whiteout at the Kohl Center, the number three, number third-ranked team in the country in Marquette coming into Madison. Should be a good one on Saturday. We'll get into that as well. Um, again, the transfer portal has not opened yet, Jesse, as we sit here on a Thursday night. However, it is going to be getting going very quickly here. Monday it officially opens. We've already gotten a few names out there. They can't officially get in there until Monday, but Miles Burkett and Dylan Barrett are the two names that have uh, announced that they're leaving Wisconsin. We haven't gotten any names of guys in. They are certainly offering guys, and I'm sure we'll get uh, more of that as the portal officially opens. But I wanted to start just with the portal itself and just an overview of like where Wisconsin's needs are. And we'll start just top three positions of need at this point in your mind. The first position that comes to my mind has to be the defensive line, and I think it's pretty clear that the Badgers are pushing to upgrade talent. I know they've got a, a key visitor coming who's not committed yet in the 2024 recruiting class, and Ernest Willer Jr. He's taken, I think, three officials in the month of December, and he'll be in Madison over the weekend, so that's not technically transfer portal, but it is still somebody who they value and can be a part of this program next year I still think they got to upgrade there you look at what happened this season and they just were not not effective enough James Thompson Jr. was basically the one guy who showed up most consistently and the other positions you can probably flip a coin but I think I I go down the list really and say they are going to address every position if they can so beyond that I, I don't know I mean defense everywhere that's kind of how I look at it. But it's also a ma- matter of who they have coming in in the 2024 class that you have to look at, too. Correct. And uh, I, there is a, a number of guys in that class that I think are going to have a shot yep. to contribute early. And um, one of them being Darian Dupree. And I think that maybe affects, like, hey, running back, do you need to grab somebody there? Especially because you don't know the status of Ches Malusi, right? Like, is he going to come back for another season? We're not sure. Uh, you lose Braylon Allen to the portal, or, excuse me, to, to the draft. And you have Jackson Aker coming back. You have uh, Nate White coming back. You have Cade Iacomelli coming back. And then it's the three true freshmen coming in. So is running back a need in your mind? It's not as high a need as the other positions. Now, that's not to say the Badgers won't see what's out there. And some of this may very well depend on Ches Malusi and his future. We haven't had an opportunity to talk to him since he got hurt in late September against Purdue. So I have no idea what his thought process is. But obviously would have the opportunity to come and play again another season. He played four games this year, so can take that red shirt and was not a part of the senior day festivities. But three running backs and three very talented running backs, so I think that's where you look at it and say, okay, if, if we've got to meet our scholarship needs and we have 85 that we can uh, have, maybe we look elsewhere. Because the, the three that they've got coming in, obviously two four-stars, Dylan Jones, Darian Dupree, and Gideon Atuka, who maybe doesn't get as much attention as the other two, but put up a monster senior season. He did, but was he the Sun-Times player of the, player of the year? That he was not. How about that? Darian Dupree was in leading his team to a state championship, and both in the run game and in the pass game, he is a guy that I think fits this offense perfectly. Now can they hold on to him through the next couple of weeks here to get him to signing day? Obviously that was, that's going to be something I think that's going to need to be watched, right? Because like he got an Alabama offer. Something, you know, there are a lot of big-time offers out there for him, and he, he chose Wisconsin. I think Michigan was another one that was obviously very high on his list, and um, whether that was a possibility still, I don't know. But, like, those are – this is not going to be a very, I think, easy three weeks for the Badger staff to keep a lot of these guys committed, especially ones like him. Based on how we've seen the staff operate in the first year, I think it's pretty clear that they're going to use everything they have to make him aware of the fact that he is extremely valuable to them. And I also think knowing that, at least at this point, okay, Braylon Allen's not going to be here. That clears out your starter. 
don't necessarily know the Ches Malusi situation, but he is going to have an opportunity to come in and play right away because of his talent level and because of the need at that position. So we kind of have talked about this on the camp a bunch, right, um, in terms of the quarterback and whether that's on the roster or not already. Yeah. Th that's the question I'd like to ask you right now in your mind. Is Wisconsin starting quarterback next year on the roster? Ooh, starting quarterback. I thought you were going to ask me a running back question. That's a, that's a transition. I... Mm, I'm <laughs> I'm less confident in saying yes now than I was before because we at least know now that Miles Burkett is in the portal and with with Tanner Mordecai leaving, that means you've got two quarterbacks leaving and only one coming in and maybe retire, and that opens the door for a transfer portal quarterback. So I am going to say no right now, but the only guy that I think will have a shot, obviously, is Braden Locke because there was – Nobody else close, and I don't see maybe retire no matter how talented he is coming and starting right away because there hasn't been a starting true freshman quarterback at Wisconsin since Jay Macias in 1991. Is there any chance that Nick Evers finds it? I, it's not fair, though, right, because we haven't seen him yeah, since August. Right, but all we have to go on is what, what we've seen and what yeah. we've heard. And so right now I'm going to say no, but you and I have talked – since we first saw him on the first pass of spring practice, the arm talent, better than anybody on the roster, frankly. The athleticism, same. But it's knowledge of the playbook. And like we've said before, Phil Longo on his whiteboard had knowledge equals reps. That's what matters most. And he didn't have the knowledge. And that's not to say he can't gain it, but he was very far behind. What is the reason he didn't have the knowledge in your opinion? I think we, agree. I think we can agree with this because I think Phil Longo said it. Study habits? Yes. Yeah. Well, Nick Evers acknowledged it yes. in the spring way back then that perhaps he did not put in the work necessary initially coming in to put himself in a good position. So I'm really interested to see in spring practice what things look like at that position because with a full year, that can make a substantial difference. You cannot teach the traits that he has. The hope is that you can teach him the knowledge and the understanding of the playbook. So it's all there. But that is a critical component toward having a chance to be on the field. Yeah, and, and it's why, I again, th there's a lot of nice players on this roster. And if Braden Locke had maybe a little bit more mobility to his game, I think you would sit here and say, that's your starting quarterback next year. But I think what you saw from Tanner Mordecai, especially these last two games, where it was such a huge, huge, huge part of what Wisconsin was able to accomplish offensively, both against Nebraska and against Minnesota, his legs. Yeah, like... And if, if that's not necessarily Braden Locke's game, I I've, I've think I've said this a number of times. You go through all the profiles of these players, uh, uh, the uwbadgers.com profile, and they list all their high school numbers, right? And you see what Tanner Mordecai ran for in high school, and you saw what Nick Evers ran for a high school, Miles Burkett, and, and Cole LaCrue. And when Mabry Matoyer comes on, it'll be the exact same way. The only guy that did not have any rushing statistics listed in his bio was Braden Locke. I wrote about this in response to a mailbag question I received this week. And, yes, look at most of the quarterbacks that Phil Longo has worked with, particularly of late. They can run. They can throw, but they got a lot of running ability. The outlier would be the Jeremiah Briscoe way back at Sam Houston, and I suppose there's probably got to be a statute of limitations on referring to whatever Longo did at Sam Houston, which is now coming up on seven, eight years ago. Well, and, and it also loses a little bit of its luster because he said that, you know, we turned a – triple option team into an air raid team yeah, in one year. Right, and, right. And, uh, but, yeah. but the point is, he couldn't run a lick. Um, you look at his numbers, and uh, in, in 2015 and 2016, he was credited with 57 rushing attempts for minus 89 yards. Now, that obviously factors in sacks. And he's in the FCS, and he threw 57 touchdowns and set the single-season FCS record, so it's not a fair comparison. I mean, if Brayden Lusk could throw 57 <laughs> touchdowns, then right. we're all okay with him not running. The point I'm making is that it's not completely impossible to succeed with a quarterback who can't run, but it's tremendously valuable to have one who can do both. Um, what does Luke Fickle say? The multiplier. Yes, What's absolutely. the multiplier? That's a big part of it is, is the running ability. The, I look at what Braden did this year, and, and granted, he didn't get a full season, but he did start three games and played the second half against Iowa. And two things stand out in addition to the lack of mobility. The number of passes he had batted down at the line of scrimmage and in general passes that were broken up was really high. And the number of passes, and this isn't all on Braden, that his receivers dropped. I mean, 
I've seen some complaints from fans, and even when I reference this, well, he, thro- he throws the ball too hard, and, and, and so they, they can't catch it. And it's like, your job is to catch it. And yes. how many times has Luke Fickle said, just throw it in their area and give them a chance? And I thought this was interesting because um, there were 13 on-target passes that Braden Locke threw that were straight-up drops by the receiver. Six in the Ohio State game. That's his per pro football focus. That's a 14.4% drop rate on Braden Locke's throws. With Tanner Mordecai, 9.2% drop rate. So I think that's significant too here. Braden didn't help himself, but his receivers didn't help him either. And if you get some of that, it gives him a better chance. It definitely does. Again, I, I, you say you don't think the starter's on the team right now. I would agree with that. I th- uh, and when... These portal quarterbacks are going in. There's been a bunch of big names already. When you look at them, you're going to their stats, and you're looking, how many rushing yards did they have this year? <laughs> like, passing's important, right? It definitely is, and having that arm and having that talent is, is important. If it wasn't, then Nick Evers would be playing because he just would be running all the time. But there's, there's more to it than that. But they need a mobile quarterback with this offense, and I think we saw that in these last two games, how important it is, and – We'll, we'll, see how, um, we'll see how it plays out as they work their way into the portal in, uh, on Monday and when it officially opens and um, offers can officially officially yes. be made. We know, <laughs> I mean, we certainly know this. Riley Leonard from Duke was in the portal yesterday, and already people are saying he's already committed to, Duke, or he's already committed to Notre Dame. So, like, we, we know these things are happening. I also thought it was interesting. I don't know if you saw Matt Rule's comment. Uh, on the portal and what it, how much it was going to cost to get a top-line quarterback. It was over. It was a million-plus to get a guy uh, from the portal, a high-level quarterback. That's, it's, it's nice that somebody's putting a number yep. to it. It felt like that was kind of where this was anyways, but it's nice that somebody's putting a number to it. And do you think that kind of like knocks Wisconsin out of contention for any of the big names? Well, first, that was my initial thought was I'm glad someone – in that kind of position is putting it out there to give people an idea. Not necessarily, but the problem is, maybe it's only a problem from a a sports writer perspective, is we don't know how much anybody is getting because they're not obligated to tell us. And frankly, the only time any numbers come out is when an agent has something to gain by sharing that information. Now, Tanner Mordecai certainly got some money to come here. What that number is, don't know. Don't think it was a million dollars. Um, I don't know the answer, uh, but obviously they're going to have to pay to get a quality transfer. That's where I think it's different here because they've said all along in their NIL approach, they're not a pay-to-play type program for high school recruits. They're not going to, which is, they, right. is illegal. Allegedly. Yes, allegedly. Um, and I can understand that because it's like, hey, here's what happens when you come here. You are very marketable. If you have success, you can then make money off your name, image, and likeness, it's different in the transfer portal. Yeah. You need somebody. It's essentially free agency. Here's what I've put on tape the last two, three years. I'm coming in for a year or two. Six other schools want me. What can you offer? So that's how it is these days. It definitely is. Um, before we move on to a little overreaction, no, I wanted to ask you about in terms of guys going out. Yeah. They had... I think a smaller number than most of us expected go out last year mm-hmm. when you have a new coach come in. Do you Are you expecting the number of guys out to be more than last year? And, so, and look, it's, I, to me, I think there will be because simply when you look at what happened last year, a lot of, they, they wanted to keep as many guys in the program as they, wanted, as they could, I think, in a, largely, largely as many as they could because they wanted to keep the, and I'm putting in air quotes, the culture, and, and the feeling around it. This year, I feel like they know which guys are good, which guys are bought in, which guys are not, which guys have a future in the program, which do, do not. And I'm not saying they're running guys out. They're not creening guys like Tom Crean used to do at Marquette. But, like, I think it's a situation you have to let them know whether they have a future there or not. And I think a guy like a Dylan Barrett kind of had to have known that, the, I mean, yeah, you don't have you don't really have a future here. Right, go somewhere else. Same thing with Miles Burkett. Mm-hmm. Uh, he never got a true, true opportunity. I guess if that's how you want to say it. I mean, he had opportunities in fall camp, and he got beat out. I mean, he had opportunities in spring, got beat out. But 
numbers-wise, do you expect more than last year? I actually looked this number up this week about how many players transferred out of the program last year, and the total number was 19. Now, you can break it down in a bunch of different ways because three of those players left right after Paul Christ was fired, one of whom, Logan Brown, was kicked off the team, and a couple of guys like Al Ashford the third wasn't actually on the team but transferred out. I think Drew Evans was a walk-on offensive lineman who went to Indiana. So I don't know how you want to – if you just want to say 19, we can do that. Well, I guess the number I'm thinking of is the number that left once the transfer portal opened in December okay. and closed. Okay. So, so, so I'm not talking – yeah, right. So I'm like the, the Isaac Grendos of the world and the Graham Mertzes yeah. of the world. I'm not talking about the ones that left after spring either. Okay, because so, there were six. Yeah, and those are – I think those are noteworthy, but I'm talking about in this little window yeah. right now. Okay, well, I'm trying to do the math on that. So that's so it would nine. Be what, but yeah, eight right? or nine. If you had, I mean, had 19 – yeah, yeah, there were six in the spring, three before, yeah. so there was ten. All right. Well, if we're going to set that as the number, I'm going to take the over. Um, I think last year Luke wanted to do what he could to make sure people came back. He didn't want to lose anybody. And this year, like you mentioned, Zach, with a year in the program, you have a better sense of who's in, who's out, who actually fits, and what positions can we over-recruit on or go to the transfer portal and so they can have more honest conversations because they've got a year of proof on where somebody is. So I'm going to go with the over. What's interesting to me is I don't know when it's all going to happen because we've seen so many people declare their intention to enter the portal, including the two that already have from Wisconsin. Is it all going to spill out on Monday? Is it going to trickle out here over the weekend? But I'm going to take the over, and uh, I think I will, when it's all said and done, even take the over on 19. The total number from, from last year. or I mean, I don't know. 19 feels like a lot. But, like, yeah. 15, I still think I would take the over because you're going to have more guys after spring end up leaving. Guys yeah. who think, all right, I'm going to give it one more shot. I want to see where I stand. Oh, I'm third team on the depth Again. chart. I'm out of here. Yeah. Um, I would agree. I went back and looked like wedding guys went to the portal last year, and almost all of them made their announcements after the portal actually opened. Yeah. So the fact that there's two guys already saying – before the portal even opens that they're out, leads me to believe that there's going to be m- more as we see them. And uh, we have all the alerts, all the alerts on the phone. <laughs> so when, when someone makes a post on Instagram, got it. Um, all right, let's go into a little overreaction. No, we, again, we are live at Monk's Barn Grill. Had some technical difficulties, so no breaks that you have to actually listen through. But we certainly would appreciate you coming out and visiting us here at, at Monk's at some point. Um, they, uh, great TVs, some great... Drink deal, uh, drink specials. Uh, happy hour goes from three to seven Monday through Friday. You got free upgrades on twenty-two ounce mugs. They got two dollars off appetizers. So um, this is a great time to, to come out because they got college basketball. We got some college volleyball starting up here soon. Wisconsin facing off against Jackson State. So this is a, a perfect t- time. College football, NFL, everything to come out to Monks um, for for Badger game days or otherwise. All right, let's get into a little overreaction or no. Start with this one. Braylon Allen should be playing in Wisconsin's bowl game. Massive overreaction, and I've never felt more strongly about any question you've ever asked me in this segment. (laughs) Um, I know there are fans who would love to see him play and maybe say, oh, you're giving up on the team. What's the most he has to gain from playing in that? 150 yards, a couple touchdowns, maybe you get a a nice trophy for being MVP. You won a bowl game that is a mid-tier game. What's the most he has to lose? He gets hurt, and now his NFL draft stock is down the toilet, and maybe he doesn't even play next year. I mean, worst-case scenario. Yep. And that may not happen, but... So then why play, why play the Minnesota game? Why play the Nebraska game? That's, that's fair. Um, I think the difference... There's a difference to me in the regular season, and then there's a full month now where really nothing happens, and then you go play in this bowl game. You know now what your, your blueprint is and your plan of attack. You can start to train for the NFL draft. I get it. You could drop out nine weeks into the regular season. I think this is different, and I think it makes more sense. And obviously, we would certainly expect him to be one of those players invited to the NFL Combine. That's in what? February, usually? Late February. So you want to give yourself every opportunity you can to be successful there, and I think this extra month of training will make a big difference. So I do. I, to me, there's a clear delineation in my mind about, okay, playing through the regular season, and that Minnesota game does matter obviously, to, to Braylon, and the bowl game is just not the same. I think anybody struggling to differentiate, differentiate between 
the Minnesota game in a bowl game is maybe lying to themselves a little bit. I mean, it's Minnesota. It's the Axe game. It's what he grew up, you know, wanting to be in. And he like, never won and, it. And, right. And the idea that he's giving up on, on the brotherhood of Wisconsin football. Once a Badger, always a Badger type of stuff. Although, except for this last game, what he has to gain and what he has to lose are, I think, not on the same level. And, again, if you want to point to the Minnesota game and why he just didn't quit, that's, that's completely fine if you want to do that. But trying to think that they are the same things is just not uh, – not at an elite level, not at a, a great level of thinking here. Yeah, you let that slip. I did. You, have to you, know, who, you know who didn't let an elite <laughs> or a row the boat slip on his way out the door? Ethan Kelly Kamanis. Okay. Uh, the other thing that I did was. Or any say, of the other 18 right. uh, gophers that have entered the portal since. Uh, the other thing that I, I did want to say about this topic is um, it's a different era, and I think we all have to accept that. Ten years ago, this didn't happen. People played in the bowl game, and now they don't. And that's okay, and that's acceptable, and he gave everything that he had, and I think he even said that in his, in his departure video, and, and I don't disagree. I mean, look, look what he did in coming back from the injury to then finish out strong in the regular season. So there is that. He is going to get drafted, right? Yes. Yes. I am I'm there have been, sure I mean, there have been those people too. They're like, well, he, why doesn't he come back, switch positions, and give it another <laughs> shot? Yeah. I know. Uh, overreaction or no? Miles Burkett will follow in the steps of Graham Mertz and Deacon Hill to be a starting quarterback at a Power 5 school. I don't want to shortchange him. I honestly have no idea. Um, I'm going to go Say overreaction there right you go. now. It's an overreaction. I mean, it, it it's is. It's quite possible he might end up at a non-Power 5 school. I, think I, it's I, a, I, I don't know. I think it's a guarantee. I'm unless, not, unless John Budmeyer all of a sudden like <laughs> gets onto another Power 5 staff and ends up with not having a single quarterback. Deacon Hill should not be at Iowa right now. He should be at Fordham. Uh, Fordham. Like, yeah. That's where he – no D1 offers other than them. Right. And that, the only reason he's at Iowa is because of John Budmeyer. Now, that said, he's taken it full advantage of it, shown up, led a team to a 7-1 like, as a starter. Is that accurate? His completion percentage may be under, under 50%. That's completely fine. He has won every game except for one that they've asked him to win. You know what I like about you, Zach? You stick to your guns. It doesn't matter how many years pass. If you decide you're on something, you're on that train for the rest of your life. What's so, I mean, Ron Dane, all-time rushing leader. Th- I mean, that one's more obvious. Give me a break. That's <laughs> uh, Sean Lewis doing his uh, opening press conference. <laughs> uh, I, caught, I actually caught wind of it. I actually got an advanced copy of his opening press conference it was glad to be here ron dane is the all-time leading rusher mm-hmm. can't wait to get plausible. started any questions yeah that sounds plausible yeah um for some reason he actually didn't say that which is disappointing <laughs> disappointing uh i think it's an overreaction to say that he's going to follow in that in those footsteps we know the only reason that deacon hill is in the spot he is and graham mertz played his played his butt off this year and, and was was really really good for a Florida team that yep. was not very good. And he's coming back next year, but she announced. He is. I, I expect them I expect him to lead them to another 4 and 8 record. It's going to be uh, <laughs> I don't even what what they even go this I year. Don't I don't know. know. It was it wasn't they didn't make a bowl, so um, and he obviously got hurt at the end of it, which is unfortunate. Sean Lewis, by the way, in an alternate universe, is Wisconsin's offensive coordinator right now for Jim Leonard. In a very alternate universe. What, Just what, saying. How alternate of the universe is it? Well, tremendously alternate because then you would have hired Jim Leonard <laughs> as your head coach <laughs> and not Luke Fickle. I'm just saying. Do you think he would have hired? Yep. That's, that's, you're on record as saying that? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a, it's a hypothetical. It doesn't matter that, now. That has no, yeah, that has I no basis in fact whatsoever. I honestly do. All right. Um, Darian Dupree will lead Wisconsin in rushing next season. Is that an overreaction or no? Well, at this point, I'm going to take the field. So okay. uh, I'm I mean, going to say five, it's an overreaction. What, six on one? Yeah. So I like my odds. Yeah. I also, as I've said before, I'm guessing, I'm speculating that Chez would come back for another season. And if that's the case, he'd be their top guy. If Chez doesn't come back. That changes a lot of things because... Uh, <sighs> Yes. <laughs> Just because I don't know at this point whether you truly believe it. going into a season is Jackson Akers your number one. Um, fine player, but Dupree, a true running back who was ridiculous in high school. If Chess does not come back, yeah. I could see the, I mean, portal. I see the matter in a portal. Right. I think the, so there's a it, lot of factors. I don't know if it becomes a, a necessity, but it becomes – because you don't want to be going in there with three true freshmen, a Nate White who has not played, 
a converted fullback, and then Kade Yacomelli, who showed some good things against Minnesota. I think we give him some credit for that, but that's not the that's not the group I think you want to roll in there. Mm-hmm. Then again, running back is a position that you can come in, hit the ground running, and play very early. Right, and I was going to say, on the other hand, do you want to devote seven scholarships to that position? So, Which is what you would do if you brought in a, a portal player. So, I don't know. We'll see. Because yeah. you have the three freshmen yeah. coming in, and then obviously Yacomelli, Aker, and Nate Well, White. I mean, assuming all those guys stay at that position, Correct. too, right? Yeah, um, also a possibility to go... St- I- there's so I'm much. Trying, so I'm trying much. to think of like who would actually change positions. You're not going to. The only position you would move what Jackson Aker to, to tight end probably not. Kade Yakamelli can be a safety. <laughs> he could be. Um, who knows? All right, we'll close with uh, this one. Winning the bowl game, whatever game it is, is the only thing that matters. Doesn't matter about getting a look at the future. Is that an overreaction or no? So, I already know that if you ask Luke Fickle, he will say winning. Yeah, I don't the care game. what Luke Fickle has to say about the topic. I want to see the future. Okay. <laughs> so, but it's not I'm an not a coach. Yeah, that's what I want to see. Now, yes, you want to see the people who have put in all the time or seniors get their due if they're contributors. But this is also an opportunity, especially this is the difference, is you've got the bull prep. And we know, especially the first couple weeks, a lot of young guys' practices. And I've heard some people say, ah, who really cares about the extra bowl practices that you get? It doesn't actually build momentum or whatever. Yeah, it can, especially when you have a chance to see guys get opportunities that they haven't the entire year. So I want to see some young guys do some stuff. <laughs> do you remember the conversation, maybe it was two bowl seasons ago, when we first heard about Deacon Hill's big arm? Oh, yes, I wrote about it. Got so a lot of readership. Thrown two. Who also had Marcus a Marcus gri- Allen? Yep. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Actually, there's one play in particular. He put it on his highlights when he transferred out. It was in the McLean Center, and uh, he avoided pressure to his left and threw off his back foot with like a somebody barreling down on him, and it was like a 55-yard touchdown yeah, pass. Yeah, the guy's got ridiculous arm talent. It's not even, it's not even close uh, when it comes to arm talent when you, when you think about some of the quarterbacks that have come in here. I mean, he may not be the best example, though, because I, mean, I know there are a lot of guys who have really stood out, and then the next year we're in the lineup and playing considerable snaps. Well, yes, I don't disagree. I, was, I mean, there's, there are some good stories and there's some bad yes. stories. Just like, and, yeah, in, in, this, in, in this case, you want to play up the, because you want to see the future and how yeah. important this time is, which I think it is important. Those 15 extra practices are important. There's no doubt about that. But yeah. how, much, how much does it matter for the bowl game? Like, is Tanner Mordecai going to play? Oh is, yeah, is Mumajong Mata going to play? I mean, he. Mm-hmm. Do you think so? Because he, he. You think he what? So why wouldn't he? Am well, I missing he something? A, he was asked on the way out of the room the other day. Oh right. Whether we'll see. I think is what he said. Yeah. I would be surprised if uh, I, I don't know. I don't know what everybody thinks about their. Draft I mean, at this stock. point, I mean, at this That's point, if if Braille is not playing and right. like some of these other guys aren't playing, why am I playing? I, well, guess what? You're not going to play in the NFL. That's, that's, that, that's, that's the that difference. That would be my answer to, to that's that the question. To me. I do think the bowl games have to be a mix, though. I mean, you're not going to roll out all your freshmen, but you are going to play a handful of them, and I think it's instructive to see who's made the travel list, like the last week of the regular season, in terms of freshmen. Guys, guys that they feel like have done enough to be on the cusp, maybe in a case of an emergency, and you put in a plan during the bowl. Remember a couple years ago, Daryl Peterson, they, they threw him in there as part of this three outside linebacker package, which we hadn't seen before. Well, He's become a pretty important part to the, the team. So I think some of it is, can we find a specific package for them? You're not just going to all of a sudden start a freshman. So it's a mixture of both, but I'd love to see some of the future. I'd love to see the future, but I think we kind of got a feel for that last year. Like, everyone wanted to see Miles Burkett, right? Yes. And who did we get instead? Chase Wolf. He yeah. won the game. Went he, out in style. He did. Now, there's also the, the other aspect of that. We hadn't seen... Seagreaves at all, mm-hmm. JT Seagreaves at all during the season, they threw a play in for him and he had that one catch and thought maybe that would help him into this year and it, and, it, and obviously it hasn't. It's, it's a, little bit of a, a, a little bit of a further step, but or, or I should say another step needs to be taken there for, for some of those guys. Um, Alright. Let's move on to basketball here a little bit. Actually, no, before we do. Wisconsin got their fourth commit in the yes. class of 2025 earlier this week. Cooper Catalano, the linebacker out of Germantown. I know you had an opportunity to, to chat with some people around him. What is Wisconsin getting in Cooper Catalano? First thing that comes to my mind, and the same thing as Coach said, tackling machine. All you have to do is look at his numbers. They're ridiculous. I thought it was funny talking to his high school coach 
who by the time Cooper was a true freshman coming into high school, well, I guess they don't have true freshmen in high school, but <laughs> when he was a freshman coming into 2021, the head coach had been there for a decade. His name's Jake Davis. So he, had a, he knew how good Cooper was, but he also had a certain way of doing things, and he felt we're opening the season against Homestead. They're a really good team. They run the wing tee. I have four senior linebackers. I'm not going to start him. I'm not going to do that. And then he comes in, and he has 11 tackles, and the coach is like, well, we realized we were kind of dumb, and he started ever <laughs> since then. He ended his freshman year with 120 tackles, 11 tackles for a loss. He had 147 tackles as a sophomore, 138 tackles as a junior. In three seasons right now, he's got 405 tackles with 48 tackles for loss, and I know some programs can inflate those numbers, but his, the coach said that they specifically made a point in evaluating film. They knew when Cooper was a freshman he was going to get college looks, and they wanted the stats to be accurate, and they've got a defensive coordinator who's been there for 30-plus years. So they are legit. Those numbers are legit. That's what they're getting in Cooper Catalano, but he's an in-state kid, obviously, 80 miles away from Camp Randall Stadium. Had some other offers, Big Ten offers, but he visited like eight times here in the last year. <laughs> to me, it was always going to be Wisconsin. The number two school was Illinois. The hardest phone calls he had to make during this process was telling Brett Bielema and Andy Boo who may be familiar to yeah. people listening, no. So I think this is a really good fit for Wisconsin. And we've heard Mike Tressel say this a lot, the difference between football players and fitball players. <laughs> uh, fitball players are just guys who do what they're told and they're essentially robots. Yeah. And he likes what Catalano does because he's so instinctual. He is always around the ball. And all you have to do is watch some of his film to see that. So he is the, uh, the, the highest ranked commit so far in their class it's only four it's only four commits he's a he's a three-star player uh wisconsin it is a very good in-state class they've gotten two guys now cooper catalano and michael resky they've got offers out to quite a few others um james flanagan already committed the tight end he's going to notre dame he was a legacy to notre dame his his dad was one of the last good very good players to get out of the state under barry i actually i think you've told the story about how he had him come just visit like he knew he wasn't going to commit but just come visit just to give the perception that things were kind of changing that was the deal they struck was i'm I'm not going to squeeze you on it this is how the story barry's told many times but come visit and then say good things about our program because i know you're not going to come but that will be a really big factor in future recruits and it worked yeah so he was he's the number two composite player in the uh, in the state uh, Charlie uh, Hoytnick is the other guy that has already committed. He committed to Stanford a long time ago, a three-star uh, lineman out of Slinger. The, the two big ones certainly on Wisconsin's board still out there, Owen Strebig, am I saying that correctly? Yep. Out of Catholic Memorial. And Trey Poteet, obviously from Verona, his dad, former cornerbacks coach at Wisconsin, former NFL player and had quite the season for Verona. But uh, those two, I, I don't know what the chances of them getting them are. It yep. kind of feels um, – I don't want to say a toss-up, but it kind of feels less than a toss-up at this point with, mm-hmm. with both those guys. We knew that we, we thought 2025 would be an important year for them in the state, and I don't know that people are going to be overly happy with, with what happens here. Yeah, I think the further we get down the line, uh, I think we may disagree on this at least a little bit. I know it's really important to get the, the best in-state players, and, and Fickle and his staff are going to continue to try to do that. But they want to get guys that fit that are – going to help this program and are, are you saying that they don't want them no no that's not what i'm saying because at all. we can we can i'm make, saying we, we made that argument <laughs> last year right no we, no we, we talked about that with the, with several guys and, it, and we some of them some people gave them a pass for that yeah it, it's streaming in particular it would be a tough one to swallow he's a walk shot kid he's an offensive tackle he's 68295 right in, in a lot of years you you got those kids but i don't think it's the end of the world if they only end up with two in this class even though i think they only had a couple in the last class, as long as they get really good players to fill out 2025. I look at 2024, for example, and the offensive linemen that they got. Yes, they did not get all the players in the state. Some they offered, some they didn't. But they ended up, to me, with a really good offensive line class of five players. They went and got a top-rated player in Minnesota. They went to Pennsylvania. They're, at, they're on the East Coast. So it's a give and take. I know people will complain if they only end up with two, but it's not going to stop them from trying in the future. I just, I, I just think the idea of, of seeing a number of guys from the state yeah. playing important roles for teams, whether it's at Ohio State where uh, Carson Hinsman is the starting center, Billy Shrouth getting a start at Notre Dame, and Joe Brunner, meanwhile, the kid that they did get in that 2022 class, has yet to play. Like, 
any kind of snaps yep. in a significant moment outside of the bowl game last year. And I think he got one snap. He laid his guy, he laid his guy on his butt, and I thought, oh, all right, well, this is going to be what they're going to have next year. And uh, that obviously did not happen. Um, and the other kid in that class that they got from – uh, that was that was among the four stars was Isaac Ham. What what has happened to Isaac Ham? You know how many times I've got that question? <laughs> a million. Uh, he just kind of disappeared off the face of the earth. Uh, obviously, there were grades, and that's why he didn't go to Wisconsin. We knew that part, but uh, kind of disappeared. Yeah, the other kids in that 2022 class so far from the state: Miles Burkett, transfer, Barrett Nelson. Yet to yet to see time. Uh, J.T. Seagreaves, who we, again, we, we talked about earlier, and that's it from the state. Yeah. So it, Jerry Cross was a tight end. He went to Penn State. I mean, in terms of guys that came oh, to Wisconsin. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, you get Andrew Keller, Jerry Cross, Carson Hinsman, Billy Shrouth. It is what it is. They have not – that, that's not this staff, right? That's the previous staff. Mm-hmm. But it feels like it's kind of a continuation on of that. Will it ever be, will it ever be like it was? I'm not going to say no. Uh, I've, I, it's, it depends on the class. It depends on the kids. Go back and look at 2021, and they got the top six. Now, they didn't all work out. Loyal Crawford didn't last very long. I mean, but Hunter <laughs> Wohler, Braylon Allen, it's a, it's a crapshoot. This is what recruiting is. J.P. Benchwall, who was the number one player in the composite that year, we haven't really seen him. Io Adebogan? Never heard not, of him. Not, not there anymore. <laughs> Jackson Aker worked his way in, into playing time. Yep. It's a total crapshoot, and you pick any year. Every year highlights why it is. So, yeah. But I, I think it's certainly possible for them to go on a run like that again. All right. um, let's get into a little basketball here. Wisconsin yeah. getting take on number three, Marquette, coming up on Saturday at the Kohl Center. Uh, it is their first of three games against a very, very difficult uh, stretch where they also go to Michigan State and they play at Arizona, um, the number two team in the country currently. If you can win just one of those three games, Jesse, which one are you picking? I am going to pick uh, probably a different one from others. I don't know. I'm going to go Marquette because Marquette's number three in the country. I think that's the highest they've been ranked in a season since, like, 1978. It's been a long time, Um, (laughs) which may say more about Marquette's program, but they've had some really good teams over the years. They just haven't cracked the top three. Yeah. Shout out Dwayne Wade. Dwayne Wade. That was Wade. a good team. <laughs> um, it's a rivalry. It's a home game. It's the only of the three that's a home game, and it's going to be an insane atmosphere. I always say this about the Kohl Center. There are a handful of games every year where you go like, this is why it's special, and that's going to be one of those. On the other hand, it's not a Big Ten game, and <laughs> Michigan State is, but Michigan State's the only unranked team out of the three. Yeah, but, and that to me, that's like you say Marquette, and I, and I think a lot of probably people would say Marquette, but I look at it and say that's a Big Ten win. Yep. On the road, not going to be easy to come by, and certainly not going to be easy to come by at Michigan State for anybody you would think. Now, again, they've already lost to James Madison at home. James Madison's a good team, mm-hmm. but they've already lost to James James Madison at home. They've struggled a little bit, but I look at it that is um, as the most important one of them. Arizona's by far the least important of them, um, but you don't want to get blown out there. Here's what I would say, though: what may, if if it's between Michigan State and Marquette? In the end, what would matter more on your hypothetical NCAA tournament resume? If you beat a team that ends up in the top five or the top ten in the country, or you beat a Michigan State team that is fifth in the Big Ten. Yeah, but Michigan State started in the top ten. It's yep, not that they, they don't have that talent. You're absolutely right. And they very well could be back there absolutely right. at some point this year. But so hypothetically. I, probably Marquette. But again, it's Michigan State. You're right. Which is always viewed as yep. something, something big. Um, before we move on, we kind of talked. We talked about this on the swing. If you haven't heard about it, if you hadn't heard about the swing, we have started <laughs> it back up. Um, so check that out. We had John Blackwell on, but I think we asked. I was trying to think of the last stretch that was this difficult where you're playing it. And I don't want to say Brennan, uh, the, the the communications director for the basketball team, was listening to the podcast. I, I kind of feel like he was, but he put out he put this out this morning. Last time Wisconsin faced uh, top ten teams within a week during the regular season was 2015-16, which I think I called. You did. I said it was Greg Gard's first year. Um, a win at number two Maryland. They lost at number eight Mich- Michigan State. Then they played, came home to play Illinois and beat them and then went to number eight Iowa. I remember that stretch uh, vividly because I believe that was the helicopter dunk that uh, Khalil Iverson had 
down in Iowa City when I when I was really really good. And he's not the helicopter dunk, but like his somehow the 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 dunk that he had was just crazy, and it was for a freshman, and, and everyone was just going crazy about it. But that was that team obviously came on and, and played quite well down the stretch, or in that stretch to to get themselves back into contention for the NCAA tournament, which they obviously went on and went to, and then got all the way to almost the Elite Eight, lost to Notre Dame <laughs> on a little bit of a <laughs> unfortunate turnover or two down the stretch. But, uh, yeah, that was, that, was, that was a good year for them. Good year for them, and we'll see uh, if this year turns into that as well. Speaking about John Blackwell, if you haven't heard the interview, go check it out. Anything to stand out to you at all? Guy loves Waffle House more than life itself. He does. He does. That um, probably shouldn't be my main takeaway. It should probably be something about basketball. But do, Well, do you know, this actually reminds me of our trip to, or our attempted trip to uh, Waffle House. Do you remember this at all? Oh, yes. So the, it was too we, hot, right? It was. We went to Columbus. What was that? We oh, went okay. to Columbus in 2021 for the, the 2022 for the, the game down there, for the football game down there. And we were looking for a place to have lunch. We tried going downtown. It didn't work. So we went back towards our, our, the area of our hotel, and there was a Waffle House there. And we went in there, and it must have been 95 degrees in there. And, and it was we packed. Sa- and it was packed. And we sat down, and i like, no, this, ain't gonna, <laughs> this is not going to work. And so we got up and left. I think we ended up going to a, to a McDonald's. Um, I forgot that. Yeah. And but, I've still never eaten at a Waffle House. So, but the crazy thing about Waffle House is, like, when I see Waffle House, I think south. Yeah. And the funny thing is, like, Columbus that day, it, it might have been 2019, actually, but it was like, welcome to the north. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, that's not the north. Columbus is farthest thing from the north, and almost, almost the farthest thing from the north in the Big Ten. I mean, you could maybe throw, I- I'm talking about in terms of culture, uh-huh. like, you could probably throw Bloomington on there as well and Champagne. Well, it's not the South. <laughs> but it, it's like the South of the Like, it's Southern yeah. Illinois. Is, is, and I know Illinois is, like, not necessarily all the way in the Southern part of Illinois. But, like, you go and look at some of the Southern part of Illinois, it does not compare to the Northern <laughs> part of Illinois. I guess you could kind of say the same thing about Wisconsin. I don't know. We're getting too deep into this. But. Yes. Waffle Any House. basketball takeaways stand out about him? Waffle House. Uh, John Blackwell, fantastic start. I mean, that's, that's just straight up what it is. Uh, the fact that he tried to get his dad and brother to teach him how to be a lefty during quarantine, uh, you know, during COVID, because guarding a lefty is really, really hard, which I – he's like, you guys know that. And I'm like, I had no idea that, that <laughs> guarding a lefty was, was hard. Is it hard? It's just different. It's like facing a left-handed serve in tennis. I mean, you just change your tendencies. You force them to the other direction. I don't know. I don't. Yeah, I don't. I, I struggled with that. I was like, yeah, okay, what you, whatever you say, if you say so. I'm I'm gonna take you. I'm gonna take you up on it. Um, and like his dad being more athletic than him mm-hmm. is 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 kind of crazy because he's actually quite athletic. But his his dad Glenn was a really good basketball player at Illinois in the mid '80s. Uh, he actually his final year was the year before they won the national championship. Um, but any, did you have any? No, I think you pretty much covered it. All right. Thanks to John for coming on. Yeah, we really appreciate it. Um, one non-basketball slash football takeaway, because I think you spent some time with the UW volleyball team, who's getting their NCAA tournament underway tonight. They are coming off, uh, well, they obviously, um, it wasn't the last match. It was the match before when they took down Nebraska, the first loss for Nebraska. They, they swept them. Um, three nothing, and they go into this tournament as a number one seed. It's not going to be as easy uh, a bracket as maybe Nebraska got because <laughs> they have some Big Ten teams in their region. Um, but what makes the program special? Because you had you talked about the culture a little bit in this article that you had on the Athletic. Well, I would, and maybe this isn't even an argument that they may be the most entertaining Wisconsin team <laughs> out there right now, and I certainly have heard that from fans who have seen them play. They're tremendously talented. Fieldhouse is electric. <laughs> yes. I mean, they're the number three overall team. They're a number one seed. They have three losses this year and trying to win a national title for the second time in three years. And two years. of them came with their, one of their best players out of the lineup. And so I'll start with that. But my story, as you said, it, it focused on the culture and what makes them special. I think a lot of times you hear that word culture. How many times have we heard it in football, right? What exactly does that mean? 
And I think there's a very clear understanding of what that means under Kelly Sheffield for the volleyball program. He, he wants them to play disciplined. He wants them to be accountable to each other. But he also wants to play with freedom and joy. And everything they do, I think, is with that aim. And I, this is how I open the story. I never heard a sports team doing this, and I'm sure they're out there, but I've never even, I, I never did it growing up or anything like that, that when players first get there, they take this basically a personality assessment test, and then they share their findings with the team at the start of the season, and everybody's asking questions about how can we most effectively communicate with you? What do you need when you're feeling down? Do you need your handheld? Do you need us to say certain things? What shouldn't we say? And I never heard that before, and it's just like one little thing that to me highlights what this culture is. I think it's the way they push each other, the way they hold themselves to such a high standard. It's everything, and they have the talent to back it up. And I also think that's why you've seen so many uh, transfers come in yeah. and seamlessly integrate. Like, we talk all the time. We've, how much time did we spend on the transfer portal for football, right? We talk about it for basketball. You don't realize how big of a deal it is in volleyball. Wisconsin's volleyball team has seven transfers. Four of those are starters, and they're not just, like, components in the lineup. No. They have a national player of the year. They've got people who lead among the national leaders in major statistical categories. So Sarah Franklin, Carter Booth, Carter Booth. It's people want to be a part of this culture. All you have to do is watch it and realize there's something special here. It's it's interesting. It's like it's exactly what you want Wisconsin football and basketball to be if you're yep. a fan, right? Shows a, you how it's not easy. Be among the elite, and I use that word like endearingly because mm-hmm. they are. They are among the best volleyball programs in the country year after year. They've turned themselves into that. They are the, I don't want, they're not the, I, I mean, they're in the, like if you're trying to think of this in a basketball sense, because I know there's a lot of people that are listening that are like, I have no idea about volleyball at all. But when you think about this program and where it is, it's on the level of like, at Ohio, like Ohio State, like how it recruits Ohio State, Michigan, Georgia, Alabama. Clem- like Clemson when it was rolling. Like, and they have one national title, right? But they've been to a bunch of Final Fours, and they have another shot at adding a national title, another national title to their, to their um, uh, resume this year. It's a very, very, very good program, and it's remarkable what you know, Kelly Sheffield has done. It's, you know, it, wasn't, it wasn't bad before. Like, they had some, a lot of success before he got here, but he has taken them to a different level. I think he deserves a ton of credit for what he's been able to do since he got here in 2013. You're right. This was a program that had played for a national championship. But the year before he got here, they were 17 and 16 and finished 10th in the league. And his his winning percentage since he's been here, 829. Think about that. 291 and 60. They've been in the American Volleyball Coaches Association Top 25 for 165 consecutive polls. And I think that goes into this culture that we talk about there's a certain level of expectation and everybody understands what it's going to take and that can be really hard that can be really draining because it's one thing to get to the top it's another thing to stay there which is a cliche that you've heard but they've been able to figure out how to do it so kelly deserves a ton of credit but the players have been able to go out there on the court and be dominant for stretches they had a stretch where they went an entire month without losing a set yeah they won 30 straight sets which is i mean i can't even fathom that yeah, now when healthy, they are right there in terms of the best teams in the country, and they're healthy going into tonight's matchup. As as you're listening to this, they probably you're, they probably already played. They got Jackson State, and then they uh, will play uh, tomorrow night as well. Assuming they win, they'll play Friday night uh, at the um, at the Fieldhouse, which has to be one of the more electric venues. It's not the biggest venue, but it's one of the more electric venues. We know what it was for basketball when the Badgers were good. It. Like the Cole Center for big games, great. The Fieldhouse is just at a different level. You can't it's, get a, a seat great place for the it's opening a, round match. You have to go on online and try to. Yeah, it's a get it's, it's a great place. It's a great place. All right, let's close out the show here with our picks for championship weekend. Obviously, Wisconsin's not playing. There's really nothing to play for in in our picks either because <laughs> you ran away with it this year. I know you've said this multiple times, but why didn't you put money? on these picks this year. Like, how, how, you'd be so far up at this point. Because I didn't think I'd be 49, <laughs> 26, and 4. It's crazy, man. You went 6 and 1 last week. Uh, I went 2 and 5, largely because I picked against you trying to get back into it. Uh, I am 40, 35, and 4, which, again, not bad, but it's not at your level uh, of being 23 games above 500. That's insane. That is insane. 
So we have seven conference championship games to pick from, starting with Conference USA. I know you've seen a ton of mm -hmm. New Mexico State and Liberty football this year. Um, Liberty is favored by 11 in this one. Who you got? I was going to say, I was going to be honest, I know nothing about either of these teams other than Liberty is undefeated. So <laughs> I'm picking Liberty, even though 11 points is a lot in a conference championship game. Do you know who the coach at, at, at without looking? Freeze? At Liberty? Is it? No. <laughs> Hugh Freeze is now at Auburn. He's back at Auburn. Isn't he? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> but he was at Liberty, wasn't he? He was at Liberty, but he's back at Auburn now. <laughs> then obviously I don't know. Who's the head coach I, I have no. I, was, I have no idea who the coach at Liberty is. I was talking about New Mexico State. Oh. Jamie Chadwell, he's the, he was the coach at um, the Chanticleers. At, uh, whatchamacallit, um... Help me out here. Coastal Carolina? Coastal Carolina. The coach at New Mexico State is Jerry Kill. I did know that. You did, they, they played they, here. They played here last What's year. What's wrong and with got, me? And were the worst football team I've ever seen yes. at Camp Randall. Um, they have certainly turned it around. Jerry Kill, obviously, a big part of that. I'm also going to take – did you make a pick here? Yeah, Liberty. You took Liberty. To I'm going to take New Mexico State. Of course. Um, we'll go to the Big 12. Oklahoma State, ranked 18th in the country despite – some inexplicable losses this year, uh, including to who was it? Well, UCF beat them forty-five to three. Right earlier in the year, South oh, right. Alabama. South Alabama beat them thirty-three to seven. Yeah, uh, they are four, fifteen and a half point underdogs to number seven Texas, who still has some college football playoff hopes. This is a tough one because that is a pretty big spread, but Texas is really good. <laughs> um, <laughs> they got a point to make too. This this kind of yeah. feels like. Wisconsin, Ohio State, except in 2014, except oh, for, uh, right. you know, Wisconsin was favored in that one. I suppose I'm going to go with Texas. Uh, I, you just, those are, like you said, inexplicable losses. And if you can be that bad against <laughs> those kinds of teams, then I think Texas will take advantage. What's interesting is these two teams didn't play each other during the regular season. So don't really have a basis for comparison. No, we don't. Um, all right, moving on here. Who's your we'll, pick? Oh, excuse me. I'm going to go uh, Texas as well. To the AAC and SMU. Taking on number 22, Tulane. Tulane, a three-and-a-half-point favorite there. I'm going to go Tulane, and I have one no loss real reason why. They're 11-1, and one, SMU's 10-2. and two. <laughs> I don't know anything about these teams. I'm just... Do you know I, anything about... But again, that, that's the craziness. What did, what did you say... What did you say earlier? This I don't remember what I said the minute it comes out of my mouth. Right, right. But, like, <laughs> what did you compare it to? Oh. Oh, pick, when you pick, pick the NCAA, mascots, yeah, the NCAA pick, tournament by pick, the mascot? But by I the don't want to say, look, letting your kids, I, I want to give myself kid, at least a little credit. Letting your kid uh, I mean, pick, I do some research here. Letting your kid pick uh, <laughs> your tournament bracket and winning yeah. it? I'm going to go Tulane. They've won 10 it's games in a row. Their only loss was to Power 5 Ole Miss. So. Yeah, it's a good team. It's a good team. And three and a half ain't that much. No. Uh, I'm going to go... Uh, I'm going to go Tulane as well. Louisville, 14th ranked team in the country. Isaac Rendo and company taking mm. on number four, Florida State. Florida State just a two-point favorite. Obviously don't have quarterback Jordan Travis. Well, you can't understate the or overstate the importance of this one because if Florida State wins, they're in the playoff. And so I think they're going to win and cover. Do you, I mean, again, don't have their quarterback. Yeah, I know. But they won last week without him. Barely. Different, different matchup. Barely. <laughs> Against I'm gonna, Florida without their quarterback. What happens if they lose? Who gets in? I mean, it, it, it obviously depends, right? Uh, if, if they lose, then I think you're looking at potentially Alabama getting in. You're potentially looking at Texas Everybody's getting in. Everybody's favorite scenario. Right. Like, if, if Alabama wins, they're in. Is Georgia still in? Probably. Probably. Yeah. You're only lost to the only, But only, like, who you – I mean, like, if it's undefeated, if it's – if the undefeated – I mean, it's easy if all the undefeateds win, right? Yep. Right. It gets very murky if Florida State loses. Mm -hmm. And then if, you know, Oregon takes out Washington, like Oregon's definitely well, that's in a clear one, at right. five, right, being, yep. being fifth. Like there's a very small chance that Ohio State gets in, like way – I mean, they – very, very small. Yeah. Very, very small. It's, it's tough. I, honestly, I'm going to pick Louisville here. I just – I don't think Florida State is very good without Jordan Travis. We'll see. Um, 
going to the Pac-12, where it's going to be number five Oregon taking on undefeated Washington. Undefeated Washington is uh, ranked third in the third in the CFP. They are ten point underdogs in this game. This is insane to me. Washington but already then, beat, Washington already beat Oregon, right? And I think this has to do with uh, presumably how Washington has played down the stretch yes. because their last three games they've won by seven, two, and three points. On the other hand, they beat. Number 13, Utah. Number 12, Oregon State. That game was on the road. I just have a hard time seeing Washington going out there with an opportunity to get to the playoff and Michael Penix Jr. and losing a game by double digits, even though Oregon has been fantastic down the stretch. And Bo Nix, I mean, obviously both those quarterbacks are Heisman Trophy finalists. Let's just, even though the voting hasn't come out, they're going to be finalists. LSU's quarterbacks, the other finalists. I just think Washington, there's no way they're going to lose by 10-plus. Have you put your vote in yet? I have not. So, so I you am not, not, you're not going to lose it. I am not putting anything out there. I'm waiting. It's BS. Like, well, I'm waiting you, for the conference championship game. Why would you? Why would you? Why would you vote before that? I have no idea. And people I, do. I, yes, they do. Those games matter a ton. They do. So. And, and and it's. I don't care if Jaden Daniels doesn't have an opportunity. Right. Like this is. If Bo Nix goes out and lights it up, or if Michael Penix goes and lights yep. it up, I think that should affect your vote. I agree. Now, again, Jaden Daniels has done unreal things this year, yep. <laughs> like unreal things. But that doesn't mean that you just completely ignore what happens on championship Saturday. So um, I am, I'm also going to take um, Washington there as maybe, well. Maybe we'll be wrong, but every once in a while I feel like we see a spread and it's inexpl- inexplicable. It's like, huh? like how, like how again, Wisconsin could be double-digit <laughs> double favorites in some of these games. It's been a while. Hmm. It's been a while for sure. You don't um, think it, you don't think you, you feel like that spread is right for this one, Oregon, Washington? Do I think it's Washington? right? Yeah. No, that's why I'm picking Washington. I think it's way too big. Yeah. But again, when you, as you mentioned, what Washington has done down the stretch right. and what Oregon has done down the stretch, two different things. But you're gonna be playing that one in the big Roomba, Las Vegas. Place looks like place place looks like a Roomba. <laughs> um, all right. One more, a couple more here to get to. Georgia taking on Alabama in the SEC championship game. Georgia, five and a half point favorites in that one. Obviously, they have not played yet this year. This is a tough one. It's just a really hard one. Um, It feels like Jalen Milrow has found something. Yeah. I'm going to go Alabama in this one. Um, I don't know if they'll necessarily win, but this, to me, feels like a one-possession type of game, and... I like those odds. Georgia has an opportunity to to be the first what three? Who's the last, when's the last time a team won three straight? I'm pretty sure it was Minnesota, like back in the, like the 1930s. Yeah. I think you're it's right. It's been a long time. You're right. It's been a long, long time. I think that opportunity is right there for them. And even if they lose this game, they're probably still going to have that opportunity, which I don't necessarily, I guess, I agree with. But whatever. Um, the biggest thing is what's going to happen if Alabama wins. Texas wins, and you're going to put in Alabama over Texas, even though they handled them in um, Tuscaloosa earlier in the year. Um, I'm going to take Georgia, though. I'm going to take Georgia in that game. The final one, the biggest spread of the weekend. (laughs) Number two, Michigan. Taking on number 16, Iowa. The fighting Deacon Hills. Michigan is a 22-point favorite. Which is about the same as they were last year, I believe, against Purdue. What was the score the last time these two teams played in a Big Ten championship game? Wasn't that two years ago? It was. (laughs) Do you you remember what it was? Um, Fortunately, we have the magic of the (laughs) interwebs. Uh, 42 to (laughs) 3. 42 to (laughs) 3. It will be more fun for me to pick Iowa. And that's why I'm going to pick Iowa. I, there's no way they win. Okay, there's no way they win. I'll go on record and say that. But I think it would be so fun to but see the defense root. frustrate the hell out of Michigan and have it be like 13-6 to six in the third quarter. Do you remember the last time they played an actually good team? Who? Iowa. Iowa? Refresh my memory. It happened earlier in the oh, year. Oh, Penn State when it was 31 nothing. Yes. Yeah. That's, I still, that, I want, is, that is the type of defensive performance I'm expecting from Michigan. Yeah. Well, here's where I'm at. I'm cruising to a win here, so it doesn't matter. It doesn't. <laughs> and I just think it would be way more fun to pick. I would find a way to cover and frustrate I'm, a lot of people. Screw it. I'm, t- I'm, t- I'm going to take Michigan. What? Deacon Hills? I was starting quarterback. I know. All right. 
even he can't even even with his strength and his arm strength and his mm-hmm. brilliance so far this year. I don't think he's going to be able to okay. keep them in this one. It's going to be tough. We'll see. It's going to be tough. All right. We will be back next week, live, hopefully, from Monk's Bar and Grill uh, on air. Well, that'll be fun. Um, Jesse, have have a great weekend. You too. I'll see you at the basketball game. Yes, you will. Is this your, was your first basketball game since? Oh, did you cover anything of, last year? No, the end of the Johnny Davis era. I covered uh, the last 21. couple of regular season games when they clinched, and then somehow lost to Nebraska, and then the two games in Milwaukee for the NCAA. Oh yeah, yeah, those were the games that I wasn't at because I was at I was out in Hawaii from uh, my wedding. Well, yours was more memorable, I'm sure. That, that Purdue game was pretty memorable. <laughs> I'm, I remember watching it in Hawaii and going crazy um, at the bar because I couldn't believe that Johnny or say Chucky Hepper knocked it off the off the glass. Either way, uh, should be fun. We'll get back. We'll talk all about it next Thursday here at Monk's.